since the end of September, we've been walking through the book of Acts. And thus far, we've seen the following. A rallying of the early church, its origins, its beginnings. There's been a whole lot of prayer. Much prayer. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've seen signs and wonders, and we've heard teaching and preaching. We've seen repentance by large groups. We've seen amazement when the Lord shows up to work. We've seen numbers added to the fellowship daily. We've, we've seen sharing with those who have need, sharing and giving out of, a, out of gracious stewardship, not, not communism. The church is on the move, and the Holy Spirit is at work. And the church is on the move because the Holy Spirit is at work and because the Holy Spirit is allowed to work. And there's a difference there. At the end of Acts chapter 4, we, we hear the early church pray and we witness them function in the following manner. There in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we, we hear them pray, And now, Lord, grant it to your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And, and they pray together, and the place where they, they've gathered together is, sh- is shaking. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak the Word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believe they're of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claims that anything belongs to him as his own, but all things were common property to them. Again, not in terms of communism, but it's graceful abundance, it's gracious stewardship. And we would go on to read there in 34 of Acts chapter 4 that there's not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of lands and houses would, would sell them and, and, and bring the proceeds of the sales and would lay them at the apostles' feet and, and they would be distributed to each to the extent that any had need. And this morning we see in verse 36 that Joseph, a Levite of, of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, and translated that means son of encouragement, that Barnabas owned a tract of land and he sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But, whenever you see the word but in Scripture, (laughs) but, chapter 5 begins, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the proceeds for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You you have not lied to men, but to God. And as Ananias heard these words, he collapsed and died. And great fear came over all who heard about it. 
the young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they, they buried him. Now, an interval of about three hours elapsed, and his wife, Sapphira, came in, and not knowing what has happened, Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for this price. Sapphira said, Yes, for that price. Then Peter said to Sapphira, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she collapsed at his feet and died. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard about these things. Wow, Jake, Happy New Year! <laughs> what gives? Why, why does a preacher start off the new year with this? I'll show you. Two examples, Barnabas or Joseph comes from the tribe of Levi. Born in Cyprus, and we'll see more of Barnabas later in regard to the Apostle Paul. We, we first meet Barnabas here. He, he sells land, he gets paid, and he brings the proceeds of the sale to the church leaders. And, and because of the very kind descriptive which has been bestowed upon him by the Apostles, son of encouragement, we have to assume that he is highly regarded by them. You know, encouragement goes a long way even today, doesn't it? It does. But that's all we know about Barnabas and his property sale. There's a lot we don't know about Ananias and his wife Sapphira. For them to be known by Peter and the apostles, we, we assume that they're a part of the fellowship. And for them to be a part of the fellowship, they must have at some point claimed to have trusted in Christ for salvation and called Him Lord. And when you call Jesus Lord, you are saying, you are the boss. I follow you. And we don't know why Ananias and Sapphira decided to sell the property. We assume for the above-mentioned reasons of gracious stewardship, uh, to give the cash value of the sold property to the church. We, we assume that the motivation comes from spiritual conviction. We assume. But, but <laughs> maybe their motivation was something else. Maybe they had a, a tax bill they had to pay off. I, we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But... What we see here is the very first recorded incident in the New Testament of the Lord dealing with sin within the body of Christ. Wow. We've seen in the Old Testament how God dealt with the Israelites when there was disobedience and deception and sin in the camp. In the book of Joshua, 
Israel is commanded to take the promised land. And the Israelites, they, they conquer Jericho. You've either read the story or you've sung the song about Jericho. But right before the Israelites do, the Lord gives them a warning. In Joshua chapter 6, Joshua says to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you, has given you the city, but the city shall be designated for destruction. It and everything in it that is in it belongs to the Lord. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things designated for destruction, so that you do not covet them, and take some of those designated things and turn the camp of Israel into something designated for destruction and bring disaster upon it. Don't take anything for yourselves. They're instructed and warned not to take any spoils of the war for themselves, but a man named Achan disobeys. Sees some treasures. Hides them in his tent. And what happens next? Well, at the very next city, the city of Ai, Israel is defeated. And sin has to be purged from the camp. And now, again, look at, look at all the good which has happened thus far with the early church here in Acts. Think about how they seek the Lord, how they pray with conviction and might, how they testify of the Lord, and how their number is growing. But, <laughs> because of man and his inherent sin nature. The reality of sin with which we all deal. At some point, something is bound to happen. Again, we don't know the backstory of Ananias and Sapphira, but what we know is what we read. We, we see deception, we see, we see a lie. And, and the, the prime motivator, the motivation of this to lie, is money. Money hits close to home, doesn't it? Money is inextricably tied to multiple levels of each of our lives. Money impacts everything. And here we see the impact of money on telling the truth. Whereas Barnabas sells and gives the proceeds, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they sandbag. They hedge. Whereas earlier, when the people had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak words of God with boldness, now we have two speaking words of lies. Whereas earlier, all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds to the apostles, now we have two go through the motions. Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sells property he keeps back some of the proceeds for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and Peter responds, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? God knows, doesn't he? Why did you allow Satan to influence your heart, your, your mind, and your actions? You could have kept the property. No one made you sell it. Again, it's not communism. 
Your choice. Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to me, and you've lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit, and God knows. Ananias hears the words, he collapses, he dies. Heart attack, I don't know. Shock. But look what happens. Great fear comes over all who hear about this. Over all. And it's a small window of time because three hours later, Sapphira, his wife, arrives, not knowing what's happened. And Peter says to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for this price. Peter, I think Peter's giving her the opportunity to do the right thing. You know, are you sure? (laughs) Sapphira says, Yes, for that price. And we don't know if she had to, had to pause to think or to make sure that she had kind of had her details straight with what Ananias had shared. We, we don't know. But Peter responds to her, Why is that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. What? and they will carry you out as well. Husband and wife conspire against the Lord together, and as a result, due to their lying together, they are buried together. What does the Lord say about lying? On on Mount Sinai, the Lord told Israel, as part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Lying is a problem. Why? Because the Lord says so. Because the Lord says so. Jake, why in the world do we begin the new year with this story from Scripture? A few reasons. There's two, two of which. We were coming to the end of of chapter 4 right before the Christmas season. So so we get back on track, and and that makes sense. But I think an even more important reason is this reminder. As we've seen a lot of great and God-sized activity here in the early church... We're seeing the Lord do some great things here in our setting, in our day as well. Thanks be to God. We're seeing some great things. And and as we begin a new year together, we want to be on guard. We want to be on guard that we take care to not be careless. To not, to not be careless. To, to not be careless with our words. To, to not be careless with our, with our conduct. To not be careless with our intentions. Mm. To, to not be careless with our intentions. But because we are 
consistent in our carelessness. We assume that the Lord is inconsistent and careless as well. And as a result, we we struggle, I think at times, with our taking of the Lord's words seriously. We, We don't respect all that He has said to us, and sometimes we have to have a reminder. Because the Lord knows. The Lord knows all. And sometimes we need the reminder that God knows all. What happens in the last verse there at verse 11? Great fear comes over the whole church and over all who hear about Ananias and Sapphira. Fear can be a good thing. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. Fear can be a good thing. And as we've seen, honesty and integrity are good things as well. What's the cultural definition of integrity that we often hear? It's attributed to to C.S. Lewis. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. There's one more verse. A Psalm of David. It's the end of Psalm 101, verse 2. And it's a psalm which speaks of honesty and integrity. David says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Think about that. Within my house, where the outside world can't see, I will walk, I will talk, I will function with with integrity. And maybe the outside world won't see. But the Lord sees. The Lord knows. And and that can be a a terrifying thing. Or it can be a comforting thing. Yeah. David says in Psalm 27 that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We've just spent the, the season of Advent talking of the dawn of salvation, haven't we? And Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Thanks be to God that He has given us His Son, Jesus. Because the Lord knows all of us. He he knows my life, He knows your life. but He's given us His own Son to make a way for us to have peace with God. Mm. He knows that we cannot take care of our our sin problem on our own. We need to fear the Lord. But we don't have to be afraid. Let me say that again. We need to fear the Lord. But we don't have to be afraid. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, 
reminds us that God has demonstrated His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And friends, here at the dawn of a new year, it's a good thing to remember of what Jesus has done. And because of what Jesus has done for us, He's holy. We need to not forsake His words. We need to fear the Lord. But we don't have to be afraid.